Good afternoon, everybody, and um, welcome to the second podcast in this series from the Diversity Project, which today has a spotlight on women in investments, but obviously everybody is welcome. Um, my name is Gillian Hepburn, and I'm from Schroders, and this week we're exploring the fascinating topic of imposter phenomenon. Now, as you may know, um, the guests on this podcast are often someone in their early career stages, and also somebody who's thinking about joining our industry. So... Who is in the virtual studio with me this week? Um, first up, I'm, I'm delighted to welcome Suman Sudu, who works at Lane Clark and Peacock in their investing consulting department. So she's worked in the industry for just over five years, having joined Aon as a graduate in 2015. She's a member of the Gender Equality Workstream within the Diversity Project and also the Women's Network at Lane Clark Peacock which runs various initiatives to encourage more females into and in, to pursue careers in the investment industry. And very exciting, she won um, Women Investment Award this uh, last year for the Rising Star. And she'll probably tell me that that contributes towards her imposter phenomenon. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm also delighted to be joined by um, Sarah Affidley. She's a current penultimate year undergraduate at SOAS, um, University of London studying economics and politics. Um, she's got an avid interest in um, breaking into the financial services sector and her personal interests involve um, working on coding um, and as well as yoga and meditation. So with 30 minutes to go um, and lots to cover, um, we're going to talk about three things today um, around imposter phenomenon. Um, first of all, what is it um, and should it hold people back from thinking about a career in our industry or even progressing in the industry? How does it affect people and what can we all do either to, to combat this or maybe to support people who, who suffer from it? Um, but first of all, what, what does it mean to me? Um, you know, when we first decided that we would explore the topic, it, it felt to me like it was a relatively new term that's crept into our language in the industry um, quite recently. And being the English graduate that I was, um, I checked the dictionary. Um, although I do actually want to shout out to Catherine Davison, one of my colleagues for her support, because as soon as she heard we were covering the topic, she shared lots of great reading with me. So for me, it, it appeared that there was two key areas here. First of all, it's around believing that you're not as, as competent as others perceive you to be. And secondly, um, it's about having doubt in your skills, talents and accomplishments. And interestingly, often found in women and in particular in high achievers. So with all of that in mind, Suman, handing over to you, what does it mean to you and, and how does it affect you? So I definitely agree with you. Although I've experienced imposterism since I started working around five years ago, um, I actually only realised it was a concept that had been so heavily researched around two years ago. And that was when I got involved in more diversity inclusion initiatives and would see the term imposterism constantly pop up. So imposterism has actually been around since the 1970s and it was first defined by two psychologists. And like you said, they defined it as a phenomenon which people felt they weren't worthy of their success and had this persistent belief in their lack of ability, despite lots of evidence that suggested otherwise. Um, and it's something that affects so many people. And I didn't appreciate that initially. And knowing that has provided me with a lot of comfort. 
obviously not that people have these feelings, but that there are others that are in the same boat as me. And studies show that over 70% of people say that they've experienced imposterism at some point in their lives. I mean, that's a huge number. Mm, and a lot of them are very well-known and famous people. So you're thinking, you know, Michelle Obama, Renee Zellweger, Albert Einstein, Sheryl Sandberg is one, and, you know, her very, very popular book, Lean In. So these are all very, very successful people, which makes sense. If you feel like you're a fraud in something, you're most likely succeeding. You wouldn't feel like a fraud if you're doing a rubbish job. Um, for me personally, what's really helped me is knowing the tendencies and behaviours that I have as a result of imposterism. And I actually first realised this when I was researching the topic for an internal webinar that we did at LCP. Um, and I read a book which is called, the, I need to get this right, The Secret Thoughts of um, Successful Women. And it's a book by Dr. Valerie Young, who's a bit of an expert in this area. And in it, she explained that not all imposters feel the same way. It very much depends on how you define competence. And there are five different types. I don't have time today to go into all of them, but I thought it'd be useful for me to, you know, briefly explain the two that resonate with me the most. Sure. Um, because I had a bit of a turning point where I realized that it was easier to combat my imposter feelings when I was more aware of the behaviors and tendencies that I had. So the first is perfectionist. And this is the feeling I have of wanting to get everything right all of the time. And anything less than 100% is considered a failure in my eyes. Um, and then the second is expert. So this is someone, you know, who wants to know everything before they begin something. So instead of thinking, okay, I know enough to get started, I'll crack on and develop more knowledge as I go along. I have to read the whole book or read the whole manual and then start something. Um, and I mean, this webinar is a perfect example, right? I had to feel like I was, <laughs> I was really well prepared. Um, so, you know, I've read numerous books, I've read numerous blogs, I listened to a couple of TED talks, um, and it all comes back to having those really, really high standards. Realistically, if I'd done 20 or 30% less preparation, I'm not sure anybody on this webinar would notice any difference because no one knows what I plan to say, but I tend to always have those very, very high standards for myself. Great, that's a really interesting explanation and thanks for sharing that with us. Um, Sarah, what, what about you? How does this resonate with you? 100% and I feel like a lot of what someone is saying really resonates with me in particular in hearing about her experiences in the financial industry and as a university student myself I felt that I first started to feel this sense of being an imposter when I first started looking into the industry and so when I would perhaps go to events and I'm the only sort of ethnic minority, I'm the only woman in there wearing a hijab, for example, that really made me stand out and it really made me different. And I felt that that really impacted me and made me often think that perhaps this isn't the industry that I should be getting into because of the fact that I essentially saw a lack of diversity within it. But ultimately what I found was that I could then perhaps use that to my advantage and be able to see that in a positive light, in the sense that if I was, uh, the few females and ethnic minorities that were in the room, I would hopefully be more remembered. And just to bounce off something someone said as well, Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg is such a key book to actually read and learn about all these differences that occur within the workforce. Because Sheryl Sandberg, the CFO of Facebook, I believe it is, she really heightens and really focuses on these multifaceted issues, such as these gender roles within the workforce that allow you to then see how men use imposter syndrome in a way that 
is perhaps more in a vulnerable state. And so in essence, when looking at it with myself, for example, I feel that often I have to prove myself worth a bit more as I can see myself that I have so much more differences and I have to show that I am actually quite capable of being in the room. Yeah, so, so really, really interesting points there. Thank you. Um, uh, Suman, why do you think it actually affects you? So one of the reasons really touches on Sarah's point, and that's in relation to minority groups. So I think imposterism is more prevalent if you belong to a minority group. Now, for me, that would be being a brown female who comes from a single parent household who doesn't have a privileged background. Um, and I also have a Northern accent in an industry that traditionally <laughs> has been um, white privileged male. So I, I don't fit the mold right. And research actually shows that imposterism can hit minority groups harder um, because that lack of representation can make minorities feel like outsiders. And some of the discrimination that they face creates even more stress and anxiety when it's coupled with imposterism. Now, when you belong to a minority group, um, you try to hold yourself up to a standard that no one or very few and often, you know, aren't expected to be able to meet. The pressure to do well can be super overwhelming. Um, and I've typically found that my feelings of doubt have often been magnified due to the lack of representation of people that speak like me, um, look like me or have a similar background to me. Now, I don't want it to be all negative. So there's a huge positive to this. I need to remember that actually, you know, I bring a different, unique perspective, which can be seen as a super valuable asset. My voice and the voice of minorities is probably the necessary one in this type of environment. And if I don't speak up or put myself out there, then I feel that that's a missed opportunity. So I feel the need to show up and increase representation. Hopefully we can create an environment where I no longer feel like an outlier because I won't be an outlier. And then really touchly, really quickly touching on a second point. Um, I actually think a lot of my imposterism feelings have to do with my upbringing and childhood. So I grew up in an Asian household and without generalizing too much, it's common for Asian parents to really push their children. So all my Asian friends and my cousins will have had similar experiences to me in the sense that we would come home from school with an A or 90%. And there was always that expectation to aim for higher, maybe an eight star or hundred um, percent. And often it would be about looking at where we'd gone wrong and, you know, trying to improve. Now, at this point, I should say that, I think my mum's listening. Uh, I, grew <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a massively supportive household, you know, education and development was always taken very, very seriously. And I'm so grateful for that because I wouldn't have the opportunities that I have today had that not been the case. But I'm saying because at a very early age, you know, doing 90% never seemed good enough. Um, that stayed with me even at this age uh, where I feel like I have to strive for 100% in everything that I do. Otherwise, I'm not worthy of taking on that particular task or role. OK, but also, I guess that um, just recognising that is, is, a, is a great step forward, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it's about and you raised a number of points there, particularly around diversity and about for me, diversity is often all about diversity of thought. And I, and I think, you know, certainly that's it's, it's really important to think about diversity in the round, isn't it? But um, I, I loved your comment on your accent. I, I was on a podcast recently with about 400 clients and one of the comments in the chat function was that they didn't like, there was a, a Welsh um, 
guy on with me and somebody made a comment that they didn't like the regional accents. So there you go. Um, it happens all over the place. I quite like my Scottish accent. And hopefully everybody on this podcast can understand. Uh, Sarah, um, uh, Samantha raised some really interesting points here about how it affects her. Um, um, uh, what, what about yourselves? Have you, yourself, have you got anything to add there for us? Yeah, of course. I feel that there's a lot that can be complemented with what Samantha said. It's, essentially, foster syndrome seems to be such a multifaceted thing and mm. it can be a double-edged sword. You can think of it largely as a positive or a negative thing, but essentially it's down to what you interpret it to be and the mentality that you then develop with it and you adapt to it. So you could perhaps see it as very, very negative and something that will push you back but actually that is quite regressive in thinking. And I remember in my first year, I had this mentor and he gave me the task of looking at my strengths or weaknesses um, to improve my self-awareness. And I remember coming to him and I had all these weaknesses listed out. And he was thinking, <laughs> I'm sure there's more strengths than weaknesses. I'm sure you're better than you think you are. And I was like, oh, you know, you know I might, I'm slightly good at this, but I'm not 100% good at it. And I feel like it does come back to that self-value that's placed on grades and getting 100% and doing every task perfectly. And so I felt that that innately made me always quite conscious that I wouldn't want to make a mistake or do something wrong in a lot of people, in front of a lot of people. But then slowly I've been able to overcome that and actually being okay with making mistakes and being okay with then using that to move on. see it as a growth and learning opportunity and so I remember actually just speaking to my mentor so much about this and just discussing the ways in which diversity itself and this diversity in thinking as well is so prominent and seeing how Matthew Said, for example really mm. talked about this notion and yeah. talked about how not only do we need a diversity in gender and ethnicity but we also need diversity in the level of thought and that would promote more innovative thinking within firms and within different cultures and would really allow for for example if you work in a global firm you would 100% definitely need a global workforce and a global level of thought to really drive change and to really push forward to just progressiveness. Yeah, now we're, we're going to come on later on in this podcast to think about some of the hints and tips and coping mechanisms but I think you've you've touched on one there already about having a mentor yeah, and it sounds like that that's really helped you in this regard. Yeah. No, 100 percent And yeah, I feel that it's quite helpful to be able to talk to someone in the industry itself, as it can seem quite scary almost to try to break into the industry. But having a mentor who has a wealth of experience and wealth of knowledge is really encouraging to talk to someone like that and be able to really resonate with them. And I actually remember my mentor was at the uh, late stages in his career, he had worked as a partner for 30 years. And I think he might be on this call as well. And okay. <laughs> it's all right. And I, I do remember just feeling so intimidated to talk to such an individual <laughs> because of how much experience he had and just feeling very invalid about my own experiences. But just seeing everything as a learning opportunity has really helped me to just move forward and be able to see myself less less as an imposter and more as someone who is deserving of, for example, having a mentor and having these kind of opportunities. Sure. I mean, I think that's a great message, actually, that this is in, it is recognised in the industry. And, um, and for those who feel that that's a challenge for them, there are people 
people around to help. So and I think that's a great message for everybody, both um, thinking about joining our industry and already in the industry. And, and, and interesting that you mentioned that it sounds like your, uh, your mentor was male. Um, so, man, what, we talked a bit about this when we were thinking about the prep. Do, do we think that, um, you know, I, I said up at, up at the, the top of the session that it predominantly affects women. Um, but what, what about men? Do we think that, I mean, obviously neither of us are clearly male, but what, what's our views on this? Um, do we think it's different for men? Yeah, and I think it's the question that everybody wants the answer to, right? Um, and when it was first researched and defined back in the 1970s, they thought it was just women who had it. However, statistics from studies more recently show that around 70% of women and 50% of men said they felt it. So the difference is significant, but I wouldn't actually say it's huge. Um, I think a large part of the difference is because women tend to admit imposter feelings far more than men do. Um, culturally, we expect men to be loud and always show off their successes. And imposterism doesn't traditionally fit that view. And I think this can make men um, feel the feelings of imposterism even more. However, they're still very likely to, unlikely, sorry, to admit it. So whereas women often shy away from celebrating their successes, um, you know, they're not as likely to attach this stigma of weakness with their feelings of imposterism. They're more likely to open up to colleagues, which then, of course, reflects in the statistics. I would also say that as men progress, I think their feelings of doubt, their self-doubt feelings usually fall away as their work is validated over time. You know, we never really question the competence and leadership styles of men very much. Whereas, unfortunately, women experience the opposite. Our leadership styles are often questioned, and especially if they're more towards that confident end, and we will be labelled as aggressive, aggressive. And powerful. Exactly, right? Um, but I think times are changing, and what's brilliant is workplaces are shifting. Those gender stereotypes are falling away. Yeah. Yeah. It, okay. it really brings around a key point, which is, at the moment, imposterism looks to fix the individual that is experiencing it. But actually, we also need to look at the places where they work. We need to take some of that responsibility away from individuals and direct it towards organisations so that they're held more accountable for these traditional, historical, cultural issues that can actually be the foundation for why people feel like imposters, and especially in women of colour. So I think there needs to be a real shift such that organisations can create an environment where that diverse racial, ethnic, gender identity is seen as just as professional as the traditional white male privileged model. Yeah, I, I think that's some, some really good points here and in particular avoiding um, stereotypes and, and also making some generalisations. Yeah, uh, I mean, for, for me, I think, um, one of the best examples I've got of um, of, of, of working with a, a male in this is um, I, I do some work with the networking groups and uh, we invited some really senior men in the investment industry to come and talk to us about diversity. And uh, he was um, the CEO, still is the CEO of one of our of the platform businesses uh, in the in the investment industry. And he stood up and talked about how. And it was a real wake-up call, I think, for many of us, how he had experienced imposter um, phenomenon um, as a very young person, because he felt that he'd come from up north. He was going for an interview, actually, at, at one of the major institutions in London. 
and he said I just thought they would find me out you know I spoke differently I came from the north I was a bit of a northern lad um I, I got to London and I thought they're still going to find me out I shouldn't be here and he said and then I proved it to myself because I had directions of how to get to the office and I went on the tube and he said step one I thought I can I can do this and they said I proved to myself that I was hopeless because I didn't realize that to change lines on the tube you didn't have to go outside to the street and he said, so I got on the street and had to go back down. He said, it was a really simple, ex you know, a simple example. He said, but it, it kind of proved to myself that I wasn't the right person. Now, I have to say, he clearly got it wrong because he's very senior in the industry. Um, but but it's, I think it, it's a great example of how, how everybody can be affected by this and in different ways. Because his was all around, you know, just... I, I just don't belong here. It shouldn't be in this industry. And I absolutely like kind of proven wrong. So it's really interesting to think about this and that it doesn't just affect women. Um, I, I'd like to move on in terms of, so, you know, how, how can we best combat this? And, and what are some of the hints and tips that both of you can share with the audience today? And so, do you want to start off with this? Yeah, I mean, I think one of my main ones would be acknowledging that thoughts aren't facts. So I think thoughts and feelings are super helpful and valid. But when you're feeling anxious or feeling low and insecure, your feelings can often colour your thinking. So it's actually really important to take a step back, look at what's going on bigger picture and try and find a different perspective. And I think one of the ways that I've tried to do this is by building up facts um, through documenting my experiences and accomplishments and not just okay. doing that once but regularly doing adding to that list and then also weekly reviewing that list as a reminder that I've earned my way to my position you know I studied for three and a half years to become an actuary and, and that's not easy um, so I think one of my tips is definitely connecting more to the fuller picture of your life and everything that you've done rather than as imposters typically do focusing on 90% negative and only spending five to ten percent thinking about the good stuff um and my you know I've talked a lot about underrepresented communities and my tip there would be like I said earlier remember that you do bring a particularly powerful perspective and that needs to be heard so speak up share your thoughts help generate ideas because really your diversity of thought is your power um, and also see the accomplishment in having overcome more barriers than perhaps others have and trust that that's because of your merit and your hard work and your persistent not external factors such as luck charm and the rest of it which is another thing that imposters also think yeah so some some great hints and tips there um sarah what about yourself what can you share with us yeah sure i would just like to point out firstly that being able to actually really reflect on the kind of achievements that you have achieved is really great as more often than not we're just chasing one thing after another you know we get one opportunity and then we're chasing for the next opportunity without even just sitting down and reflecting on what we have achieved and what we have overcome and so being able to reflect on that and being able to recognize that it's from your own merit that you have achieved great things and being able to separate this feeling of just valuing yourself based on only your achievements and more so on the journey that you've taken and the actual mm -hmm. effort you have put in as well and then alongside that I really believe that mentality is very very crucial in overcoming this and essentially being able to rewrite that in a script in your mind to not thinking oh everyone in this room is more successful than me but actually thinking 
I have such a great opportunity here to learn from so much successful people and being able to then see how actually so many individuals actually experience this and learning more about this, recognizing it and being able to look at ways to overcome it is really essential. And so seeing how a lot of senior individuals experience this, even though we may feel that these senior individuals should have it all together, in mm. essence, being able to see that that's not very much the case and seeing how much it is actually spoken about. And it's such a prominent issue that can really be addressed with how inclusive a lot of firms are with, for example, having these uh, representative groups of uh, women of single parent families, for example. And so in essence, one last thing I'd love to say is just showing up sometimes as you could be really anxious about a lot of things but, and feeling that you're not deserving of any opportunities, but just showing up to any events and just f essentially forcing yourself out of your comfort zone, but to a limit where you are still somewhat comfortable and you are still able to conquer your fears and be able to do it in a way where you know that you're going to be able to grow and you know that you will then slowly, slowly be able to experience a sort of comfort and this feeling of discomfort and this feeling of trying new things and being able to venture out into the financial industry and being able to experience all these things in a way that you would have a reformed mentality and you would be able to just be able to just show up essentially. Excellent. So I'm, I'm guessing by what you're saying there that um, that this whole um, challenge, if you could call it that, of an imposter phenomenon has, has not put you off joining our fantastic industry. No, 100%. Yeah, no. Perfect. <laughs> Excellent. Now, very conscious of, of time and obviously these are a real challenge because I'm always sure that we could um, run these podcasts for an hour, but we've got about five minutes to go. So I'm always keen to make sure that we do some summing up and, and look at some final points. So um, I, I was just going to ask each of you um, before we close off here, what are one or two key takeaways that you've got for um, for the industry? Um, Suman, do you want to give us a, a starter? Yeah, why not? Um... I think the industry has been brilliant in progressing recruitment drives. So we now hire diverse talent. Uh, we have tons of initiatives which help students understand more about the industry. So for me, the next step is to ensure that once that diverse talent is through the door, that we ensure they feel safe, um, ensure they feel included and ensure they have a sense of belonging because ultimately that's what we should all have in a, in a place of work where we spend the most of our day. Everyone deserves to work in an environment that allows them to be their true selves. Um, and I think this has come on leaps and bounds. I love the fact that we're able to now have transparent conversations and people speak up about their experiences because I don't think that would have been the case 10 years ago. And like we've said, it's very, very powerful when people speak not only about their successes, but more so their failures and insecurities. Um, and I also think timing of these conversations is really key. So they need to happen early so that graduates entering the field can be aware of this feeling and how to address it should it ever arise and also aware that a lot of people experience it to stop them feeling alone. Um, so I hope there are really a lot of students that are listening to this today and taking away the positives because for me, it's all about normalising this feeling because it, because it is the majority, mm. right? It's 70% yeah. that feel this way. And if we all know that we're in it together, that will have a huge positive impact. I mean, not calling it a syndrome for one, 
because yeah. that suggests an abnormality which isn't true and I know we were really careful when we did the advertising for this event we were careful yeah. to not label it as imposter syndrome but to instead label it as the imposter phenomenon um, I mean the key thing for me now is I'm really interested to see that as we become a more diverse industry will people's feelings of imposterism reduce especially those minority groups that feel it because they're underrepresented and if I had to bet on that, my answer would be yes. I think it will reduce. And being a more diverse industry will have a massive impact. So ultimately, the only way is upright. And I think we're now definitely facing the right direction. Yeah, so a great summary there. I, th I think you're absolutely right on this terminology between syndrome and phenomenon. And, and the one I've always been called out for by, by you guys, thank you for that, is talking about people suffering from it, because that sounds dreadful, right? And what we need to do is turn this into a positive. So great summary. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, what about yourselves in terms of some final points? Yeah, sure. And I just want to quickly say, I feel like even just saying, oh, I need to deal with imposter syndrome. It just sounds like it's a massive issue as well, yeah. even though it can really be a positive thing to experience. And so uh, for my main takeaways, I'd say that your mentality plays such a huge role in the way that you perceive yourself and the way you perceive others. And so being able to venture out and look for those different types of opportunities and look for these sort of diverse organizations such as the diversity project and being able to see individuals who perhaps look like you is really encouraging mm. and being able to see how a lot of individuals do actually face this and experiences will allow you to then recognize it in yourself and being able to talk to these individuals about how they have been able to you know overcome this and it could not only be in spite of this but it can actually be because of having positive syndrome they've been able to go far because they've been able to really push through their differences and so in essence I'd really say that it's important to recognize your efforts and really recognize the achievements you have made instead of just shying away from it and being a bit too humble about it and actually being aware and acknowledging the fact that you have made achievements and I feel that even as uh, you know nearing to the end of my university when I'm going to be in my third year I feel that as a graduate when I basically know nothing and will be venturing into the industry being in an exclusive environment is so key and so hopefully a lot of firms will over the next sort of five ten years really increase in their diversity quotas and really do it as a form of wanting to actually introduce more diverse talent and a diversity in thinking as well. Sure, thank you for that. And, and thanks to both of you for um, taking part and sharing with us all today. I think we've had a, a great session. Um, and um, now just sum up in terms of what, what, what I think I've learned um, and, and hopefully the audience will, will agree that, you know, a bit more about what this all is about and, and how people can feel and how it can make them feel and also some coping mechanisms and some hints and tips. So um, I guess the message for, for everybody is, let's just be aware of all of this. And, um, and, and for everybody in the industry, you know, we're, we're all on a journey, nobody's perfect, yeah, but we, as an industry, are understanding this. And, and if you don't feel that you fit in, well, but you know what, speak up, because we're here to listen. And we are an inclusive industry, um, despite my regional accent. Um, and there's room for everybody. Yeah. And um, and it's about highlighting it on things like this podcast. Um, so with that in mind, um, I'd like to also um, be you know, delighted to announce that our next podcast on the 26th of March 
I'm going to be joined by Maggie Craig, who's head of the FCA up here in Scotland. Um, she's a great friend and a, and a good ex-colleague of mine. We're going to talk about celebrating our differences, which I actually think really relates to what we've talked about uh, this afternoon. Um, and I also like to say, just before we close off, it is International Women's Day, just as a bit of a reminder. I think it's the 8th of March, so happy, happy day to everybody um, when it comes. So um, thank you again to the guests on the, on the podcast with me today. Thank you for everybody that's listening in and um, have a lovely weekend, everybody. Thanks, Julian. Thank you so much.